With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Hour number two, Light the Tower on the Horn, Jeff Howe, Cameron Parker. All right, Cameron, this just reinforces to me the feedback that we got on the Specs text line from the alligator on alligator crime story in Florida, and then me opening up that conversation of, hey, who spotted a gator in and around our fair bird? We need to get a game warden in here yeah. this summer. Apparently. I, I, I've been wanting to do that for years and because I thought it was a really good idea during COVID, but we couldn't have guests in the studio. I really want to get a game warden in here and talk about wildlife. Because you know, we're... We're hit right now. I gar- I guarantee you. Mark it down. Take a picture. Write it down. I don't care what you do. There will be a story on the local news. You'll see it on CBS Austin or KVU or Fox Seven, whatever KXAN. One of our television media outlets will cover a story in the next few weeks of someone getting bit by a venomous snake because it's snake it's snake season. They're starting to slowly starting to get out. You're gonna have that story pop up pretty soon. And you'll get the, your snake safety story and all that fun stuff. Have you ever been bitten by a snake? Knock on wood. No, I have not. Okay. Have you ever encountered a venomous snake, Kim? At like a pet, like, not put to say a petting zoo. Out in the at, wild. At a zoo, no. In Out. the wild, no. Okay. I, I have. don't think so. I mean, actually, you know what? I've seen water moccasins because where I grew up in North Carolina, they were they were always in the, in the creeks and stuff. And yeah. So we were always told, like, you know, be careful. Out in the creek. Yeah, out in the creek. But ha- haven't seen anything lately up and around Rock, fortunately. Man, I just got distracted briefly. I just saw old school Harold Reynolds with the jerry curl back in the 80s. That's enough to distract anybody right there. Good Lord. Um, okay, so yeah, I had, I've had i had two encounters in my life with venomous snakes. And another gator sighting, Del Valley. Yeah, I'm going to get to that here in just a sec. One, uh, I don't remember one when I was a kid. I was playing on some feed sacks at the good old Andi store when my mom was working there. And uh, apparently there was a huge rattlesnake, like, just a few feet from me. And uh, I had to, like, you know, I was jumping on some feed sacks. And my mom said she told me just jump on me. So I jumped on her. And then somebody went and killed the snake and then milked the venom out of it. And they're like, yeah, if that would have been him, basically I would have died. That's how souped up that snake was. What's scary to me is that a rattlesnake can be dead, but venom is still alive. Where you can still get bit and you can still die yeah, from dude. a dead snake. That's yeah. that's insane. Yeah, that's why me. you got to dispose of the head properly. Like they'll they'll. Uh, I want to say the last time my dad killed one, I could be exaggerating. It's when my late father killed one. Um, I want to say that thing. Like so, you cut off the head, you mm-hmm. dispose of the head, 
and then you just leave the body. I don't know, like apparently it's like some kind of intimidation factor for other snakes. You just leave the dead body. I want to say that thing twitched for a day or two. Yeah. Just kind of the nerves, you know. But, yeah, you dispose of the head. Um, and then I was talking about the incident. There was a baby rattlesnake that I almost stepped on in my driveway one time that my dog, Molly the dog, who's no longer with us, was, like, bumping me in the leg. And I'm like, what are you doing? She was trying to put herself between me and the snake. She sacrificed our other dog who got bit, and I had to rush her to the vet. Oh, man. She was like, no, this guy has hands and pets me and can feed me, so I'm going to save him at all costs. The other dog a smart on their own. business decision on yes. Molly's part. God, the dog was so awesome. So I opened it up. So I'd say, you know, you're going to see something about snake season. You just don't see that many alligator stories because they don't pop up very often. I talked about that alligator on the Lampasas River, which I always thought was a myth. Then somebody, you know, brought my attention to it, and it wasn't a myth that really happened. Uh, I did find a couple of stories. Somebody reminded me of this. There was a the we talked a few weeks ago about the alligator in Buda that had to be relocated because it was a pet. That, that's the thing. I think that's how most of the gators end up in our rivers. And have lakes. to be right. They're just pets. It's like people that oh, I'm going to keep this gator, not realizing that oh yeah, this baby gator is going to be like a seven eight foot monster. That you know, what are you going to do? You can't keep it. You just got to unleash it at that point. Um, I want to say moving Alden or somebody else mentioned this. Uh, there was a, an alligator spotted on Lady Bird Lake. This was her town lake, whatever, however you prefer to call it. Uh, back in, this was in July of 2020, alligator spotted on Lady Bird Lake. The Dell Valley alligator, this one killed a dog back in 2021. Jeez. Yeah. So, and then I mentioned the Bastrop alligator. That one got recovered. Again, it was like a three-foot gator that wandered up onto somebody's porch. Uh, talked about the Lampasas River gator. So, yeah, there are, we do find gators in and around our city. So, yeah, got all those. Got a text coming in from Moving Alden that he killed a cottonmouth yesterday and smashed it. We got a picture, too. I mean, look at that sucker. That looks like it's very much alive at that point. Alden's good people, by the way. Um, yeah, looks like he took a picture of it before, and then mm-hmm. what'd you do? Smashed it with a log. That's what I'm talking about. That's just oh, that's just old school wildlife justice yeah. right there. He's got some experience killing. Moving Alden also said uh, he took a photograph some alligator gar uh, in the Colorado River just south of Town Lake. See, I, alligator gar is one of those things you always hear about it. I don't think I've ever seen alligator gar. They do live at the bottom of, like, a lot of lakes and rivers in Texas. Uh, I think they're bottom feeders. See, this is why I need to get a game warden in here. I'm not a 1,000% sure what alligator gar, what their function is. I do think they're, like, bottom feeders, though. But I have heard about them. I just never had an encounter with with alligator gar. Uh, said, let's see. Oh, this is, uh, there was an Earl Campbell story mixed in with a picture of a rattlesnake. That thing looks quite big see i i think like this is also the time that like you're probably gonna see the bigger snakes maybe come out right now because maybe they hibernated earlier so they're out a little bit earlier i don't know i don't know how it worked saw a two-headed rattlesnake as a child threw rocks at it and it split itself that would be the most terrifying thing i would ever see in my life a two-headed rattlesnake you know i'm probably gonna have nightmares about that tonight so thank you texter i appreciate that uh, i said i caught it a, a 10-foot alligator uh in victoria jeez See, but that makes more sense. You're closer to the coast, right? Yeah. That w- seeing an alligator in Victoria would make a whole lot more sense. Uh, Bizarro Dale Dudley says, as a surveyor, we kill rattlesnakes almost daily. Yes. Yeah. I would imagine if you're doing that or if you're in construction, like especially, I see it all the time around Buda. 
like because I, I used to live there. I still have a house there. And so I passed through there on my way here and see like all the new buildings that are popping up. I think I bet you once you start getting like off into that farmland and you start clearing it and start building up, I bet you you're going to find all kinds of vermin that surface when you're messing with their no habitat. Doubt. I want to say it was when Steel High School in, in Cibolo was getting built. I want. I think it was Steel High School that when they built it and during the initial construction, they uncovered like a massive rattlesnake den. They just had like hundreds of rattlesnakes on site. At that point, I'm out. You forget the gun. At that point, you just get like the flamethrower, <laughs> or just throw like just back up and throw a couple like gasoline drums in there, just and stick then a dynamite shoot the drum. Yeah, you do something. It's just it's a it's <laughs> it's a it's a wholesale mission at that point to save yourself. I see. I don't have a problem. Somebody mentioned the blue indigo snakes. Blue indigo snakes are actually good to keep around because I do know they do eat rattlesnakes. There are some snakes that are good to keep around. I always find it ignorant when people are like, "Oh, don't kill the rattlesnake. Release it somewhere. Why? So we Where? can so we can bite someone's dog or bite someone's kid. No, just take care of it right then and there. Ain't nothing wrong with that." Uh, yeah, what are what are what is the positive impact of rattlesnakes in? The, I don't know. Again, in the ecosystem here. Again, in Texas? Ga- we need a game warden. Need a game warden in here to help us with that. Uh, Captain Caveman said, "I've had a I've had gar rub against my leg, almost almost urinated on myself." Uh, alligator gar are docile. See, I, I figure they're docile. They just live at the at the uh, at the bottom of creeks and rivers. Uh, Grant number two said, did y'all see a, tw- I think this is a 12-foot, 440-pound gator caught in South Carolina. See, Cameron, where you grew up, you probably had your fair share of alligator sightings in the Carolinas. Um, Not as much. So my mom's down in Florida, actually. So when I go out and play golf, usually there's like, you know, three or four on all this, the, the golf courses you so see. So, like, we have signs on our golf courses that say beware of yeah. snakes. Yeah, snakes, yeah. You, uh, you, you see signs on the courses down there like, hey, just be advised. You're going to see some gators around. Yeah, it's usually just don't feed the wildlife, which is, always, which is always a big one, and just, you know, be wary of crocs and gators. Dude, somebody, uh, Death Eater sent us a picture, said their friend caught this gar a couple years ago, seven feet. That is a huge gar right there uh said gar feed in any depth uh so we'll roll on uh we'll roll on bait top water okay uh said jeff killed a small copperhead uh oh this is a good a good uh message from coach powell good to hear from you sir uh in the uh, in the middle school field house in florence killed a copperhead snake there's all kinds of stand those field houses in florence isd at least i don't know now at least when i was going through there it wouldn't shock me if there were snakes. Uh, we I had an encounter with a bat one time in the field house. Uh, scorpions, staff, all kinds of all kinds of bad stuff rolling around in the field house back in the day. Uh, it says alligator gar will take a finger off, no problem. Better to just cut the line. Okay, so alligator gar do pose some danger. Um, yeah, I'm not going to watch this video. Texter says, I caught these rattlesnakes doing the nasty out by Onion Creek a few days ago. Not That's interested nice. in watching that. Yeah, just glad you took the time to film that, sir or madam. So, okay, so alligator gar apparently are everywhere. I didn't, uh, I did not know that. Uh, it said, Jeff, you grew up in the sticks of Florence. Yeah, I pr- actually, I grew up in Andice, so even, even more out in the sticks. 
than you would think. Yeah, see, there's a picture of a rattlesnake kind of holed up. Uh, somebody sent us that a picture. It looks like it's holed up in some kind of like, foxhole, or maybe that's under a rock or something. I don't know. We got one picture of a guy taking out a rattlesnake with the the fishing wedge. That's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. I think I, honestly, last time I I saw my dad killed one, I think that I'm pretty sure that's how he did it with a golf club. There's a lot. There's a lot of ways you can kill snakes. There's a lot of snakes out here, especially if you go out to like Delaware Springs, the golf course. A lot of rattlesnakes out there. Uh, the only course that I that uh, I didn't even frequent. I don't. I never even played it on the time I lived out there, but. Uh, now I can't. What's the name of the course in Buda? Um, why can't I remember the name of the course in Buda? It's the one. It's the course Texas State uses anyway. They do have signs around certain holes, like beware of rattlesnakes. Yeah. And I was told when I played uh, Palmia Beach down in Port Aransas on vacation last summer, it was like I think it was like eight or nine. There's like a little a bluff right mm-hmm. off the fairway. It's a link style course, so it's a little it's a little challenging for your run of the mill amateur like myself. Uh, they said if you hit it in the bluff, even if you think you know where it is, just don't do, do it. not go in the yeah. bluff. Just take a drop, hit again, because there are snakes that are in the bluff. If you ever play like in, in the Arizona area, those resort style courses, because it's not link style, right? It's a lot of you know a lot of rocks and and crap like that. A lot a lot of rattlesnakes. And they tell you just if you if your ball goes in here, just drop. It's not worth trying to find it. I need to be educated on uh, alligator gar. I mean, a lot, lot of texts coming in about yeah. alligator gar. Says the new Hayes High School from a few years ago had over a thousand rattlesnakes when they broke all that ground. A senior superintendent was fascinated with how many and kept count. Yeah, I, I always hear this like when schools or something like that. Man, that's a huge gar. Look at that thing. In the Rockdale area, at least six foot. That looks like it's more like seven foot. I don't know how tall your friend is in this picture, but. So you want to know what Gar eats, Jeff? I got to pull sure, up yeah. You, you, I want to. I want. We're going to spend some of this segment. We'll get back to talking Texas football and other <laughs> stuff. I want you to educate me on uh, on alligator Gar, Cam. So they are opportunistic night predators and night predators, are primarily okay. piscivores. They also ambush and eat waterfowls, turtles, and small mammals that may be floating on the surface. Their method of ambush is to float. A few feet below the surface, wait for unsuspecting prey to swim within reach, and then lunge forward with a sweeping motion, grab their prey, impaling it on their double rows of sharp teeth. So it's kind of like that fish, in, like the big birth of fish in Super Mario Brothers mm, 3, yeah. just kind of like hangs out there and then boom, just jumps up. Plum Creek, thank you. And Kyle, I don't know why I couldn't remember the name of the golf course that was like two miles down from my house. Yeah, they have signs up. Let's say beware of rattlesnakes. Thank you, Cameron, for that lesson on uh, on alligator gar. I appreciate it. Yeah, the more you know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Twelve uh, foot alligator in Port Aransas. Uh, yeah, I know people who hunt rattlesnakes. Did that around Florence. They would have like collect the rattlers or the little rattles on the tails, just to show you. Apparently, that means how old the snake is is how many rattles it has. So if it's got a lot of rattles, that means it's uh, it's 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 lived a long life, without meeting its demise. Carolina Sam educating me that all snakes are beneficial for rodent control, but to each his own. See, and then Captain Caveman, you got to come up with this. No, I don't want your texts about the one-eyed snake. Just keep that to yourself. What's the one-eyed snake? <sighs> Throw it in the Google machine. Oh uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. No. No. See, we we were having a, an educational a good, discussion a nice, here, good educational conversation, and then Captain Caveman had oh, to go. Oh, come on! Uh, killed this rattlesnake on my ranch in Mustang Ridge. Yeah, I, if you've got a good picture of a nice rattlesnake kill, I would invite you to text at three three seven three seven seven six. Giant snapping turtles. That's a, I had more encounters with snapping turtles uh, as a kid, probably than any other like predatorish type animal. I'd have friends that like would get fingers or toes or something like you're swimming in the river and just nah, you get something gnawing. Yeah. yeah. I never did, but some of those bites looked pretty hellacious. I was smart enough to stay away. I, w- I, wasn't, the, I wasn't the kind of kid that was going to be like, ooh, let me go poke that thing with a stick or whatever. No, that's, I'm just going to back off. You weren't and, playing around? Yeah. Ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. Uh, yeah, apparently it was what I don't see. I don't know why this was sent to us, but there's a picture of, uh, some wild hogs. And as we do, as I have said before, the feral hog of all of our wild game in our area, the feral hog intrigues me more than any other, more than the snake, more than the alligator gar. Why is that? I'm just fascinated by the feral hog. I don't know. It's just. The fact that it's, uh, you know, because it, it kills so many things because it's, you know, it's got the, the tough skin and it, it can, you know, bite things, impale things. It, it can attack humans. I'm just fascinated. I'm fascinated by the feral hog and uh, the feral hogs, po- the feral hog population being out of control. So I'm curious, what is the relationship to boars? Is hogs just, do they come from the same line? Uh, uh, boars, because I know a lot of people are in the boar hunting, especially especially more down in the Florida and in the south southeast region of the United States. I'm out of my depth on that okay. one. I don't know. Okay, so apparently I've been wrong my whole life. It says rattles do not dictate egg age. They grow a new rattle every time they shed. May shed four times a year. Mm. See, that, that would have been a cool fun fact that they rattle their age, but um, yeah, I guess we'll probably just go with the actual reason. Yeah. All right. Man, Grant number two sent us. Look at this thing, Cameron. Look at this. It says it's a six-foot rattlesnake found in a cactus pit. Look at that thing. I know this is not making for good radio, but it's entertaining the heck out of me. Well, one text is asking to get some Twitter pictures up. I think we're going to have to. Where's uh, where's our man Derek Cohen at? We're going to have to get some of these rattlesnake pictures. Man, on, where uh, are you guys finding like these, uh, these like mutant rattlesnakes, man? And make sure they're two-eye rattlesnakes, guys. No one-eyed rattlesnakes in the spec sex you, line. You, look, you guys that are sending in your texts about the one-eyed snake at the petting farm, you, you're <laughs> coming real close to ruining this segment. I'm just letting you know. You're, 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 you're about to be in Rick James territory where you're habitual line steppers. Yeah, I don't uh, – man, it just – I don't know. It's crazy how big those things can get. Uh, says I. Oh, I gotta make sure my volume's down. Somebody sent a video. Uh, yeah, that video's not working. But anyway, all right. I'll tell you what we'll do. Uh, keep your snake and alligator gar and wild hog pictures coming in. We'll uh, we'll take those submissions as long as you want to give them to us three three seven three seven seven six. But when we come back, uh, we'll continue to talk a little Texas football. Also got a little Texas basketball. I want to talk uh, looking at the the roster roster construction for Rodney Terry in I guess what officially is year one. What are we calling this Rodney Terry year one point two? I don't know what we're gonna call it. But at any rate, 
uh, roster management is a year-to-year proposition college basketball and we'll dive into that on the other side here on light the tower on the horn live local and digital on the horn app and at hornfm.com hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Craig Way and Jeff Howe light the tower. Rolling along, hour number two of Light the Tower. Jeff Howe, Cameron Parker. And any show where we've managed to talk as much about rattlesnakes and feral hogs and alligator gar and snapping turtles as we have Texas football, it's a good show as far as I'm concerned. I've learned so much today, actually. I'm, I'm That was the best segment I think I've ever had in the horn. Really? It was a blast. I'm saying a lot, man. By the way, Cameron, uh, a boar, somebody was very angry apparently that you didn't know this. Uh, a boar is a just a male hog. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm see now. I know. The more you know, Jeff. The specs lex- Who said in school that the specs text line did not educate you? I've I've, I've learned more from the specs. Te- I've learned more from the specs text line, honestly, than I learned in some classes I took in college. All right. Agreed. Hundred percent. Yeah. Do you ever like? Do you have those classes? And this is probably why I'm persona non grata in the journalism department at Texas State right now, in the mass comm school. Because I let some people know that, like, I, this class really didn't do anything for me. But, like, you get through a class and then you take the final and you're like, did I just waste, like, you know, uh, an hour and a half, three days a week mm-hmm. for the last six months of my life? How am I better for this? How is this going to help me? That's the majority of public education, though, in the United States, right? Yeah, I, yeah including, uh, it's a, you know, college education, too. I mean, like I said, it's college classes i mean public education is what it is you know not going to knock the public education system i'm a product of it just take that for what it's worth but yeah it's uh yeah just feel like eh, i need a little more out of that mm-hmm. Th- that that was definitely not the case with the sociology of pop music or sociology of pop culture of, of course of could've, course could have stayed in could have stayed in there for a while you know i i uh i accidentally signed up for i forget the exact name of the course but it was like sociology of uh, juvenile justice. It was one of the best college classes I took the whole seven years I was in college. It's awesome. I can't remember the, the class's name. I took it at UT. It was coached. It was coached by. Geez, um, it was taught by um, Dr. Brownstein, and it, it was like sexual education. But it wasn't like your Flebus class you took in. You know, where it's like, okay, what does this do? You know, the birds and the bees. It was actually an incredible class that I learned so much more about. The human mind and body. It wasn't like it wasn't like that uh, that time in middle school where they put the boys in one classroom and the girls <laughs> in another side. classroom and show you that video that everybody just doesn't learn anything from. You just sit there and chuckle at it. They're showing you like pictures <laughs> of the urethra in front of you, and you just you don't know what's going on. <laughs> That's all I remember is just sitting there and laughing at that video. But anyway, all right, let's uh, you know, Cameron. Let's go ahead and hit a flex segment real quick. 
Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. All right, Cam, let's just reset real quick. Uh, Flex show last night. I know you and Ty recapped that earlier in the show today. Just go ahead and reset where everybody can find last night's Flex show if you missed it. Yeah, flexatx.com or hornfm.com or wherever you get your podcast. Just search FLXATX. Uh, great episode last night. We had the brand-new Del Valley head coach, Todd Patman. He just took over for Bobby Acosta, who's now the OC at Arkansas Pine Bluff. How about that? So from IMG Academy. The Arkansas Pine Bluff, but now that means Todd Patman, who was the head coach at Bastrop for a few years, he's back as now a head coach at Del Valley. So we had him on, and then we also had Lake Travis running back Nico Hamilton as well as he entered his senior season. So two great guests, uh, Jeff. It was a blast last night, and you can catch that um, on the Flex ATX podcast or the Horn FM podcast. There you go. All right, uh, let's go ahead and talk a little Texas football and basketball right here with this hour's edition of The Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Uh, Cameron, let's go ahead and just wrap up the football talk. I'll get to uh, you know a couple more nuggets, some offensive nuggets uh, that are in our insider piece. Again, this is kind of a, a wrap-up of some of the stuff that's happened over the last week with spring practice. You can go to Horns 24-7 and get the rest of this. Um but one thing that uh, that really stood out to me was a position you talked about a minute ago, Cam, the wide receiver group. And I'll just run this down. Uh, said Xavier Worthy in the uh, scrimmage situations on Saturday had a long touchdown catch, but he also had some drops. Mm. Uh, A.D. Mitchell is good. Jontae Cook and DeAndre Moore are going to be tough to keep off the field. Uh, said This source said they're going to have to rotate receivers this year because they have four dudes, Worthy, Cook, Moore, and Mitchell, who can roll. And they also have Whittington uh, and Isaiah Nayer, who obviously didn't take part in the scrimmage. They're bringing him along and managing his snaps and his participation. So I don't know, Kim, that's kind of one position group where I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid on the receiver group. But it's, yeah. it, it's almost like, man, you're just so talented there. You just feel like, okay, it's got to come together, right? Like they're just too talented at that position for things not to work. I, I've been very bullish about the wide receiver group, and it seems like you're, you just you just haven't got there yet. And I understand why, because of the season last year. Where would you – I've heard Nayer's like 80%. Where would you put him at, or what have you uh, heard or been yeah, able to see? based on the last time I saw him, and he might have improved in like the two weeks since I've seen him. Uh, Yeah, probably in that 75-ish Do you think he range. plays in the – the spring game or the spring – do we know what the format's going to be yet? No, and and honestly, I'll say this right now. We don't know what the format will be, but we had some people last year like get aggravated at the fact that it wasn't <laughs> like an actual game. Dude, I don't care. I, w- I would rather – the way – with the way Sark structures practice, I would rather it be like a glorified practice than an actual game because I think you get more out of yeah. it. Like, if you see them do, like, you know, some actual scrimmaging and then some situational stuff, like some red zone, third down, goal line, whatever, I'm I'm totally fine with that. The more, the, the more situations where you can get a better look at personnel, the further down the depth chart you get, I'm, I'm cool with that. But, no, we don't know what the format's going to be yet. But at any rate, I don't, I don't think you'll see Isaiah Nayer participate in the spring. Okay, game. that's a bummer. I just, there's just no point. There's no need to rush him yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then risk something happening. But I I am very excited to hear that 
there's going to be actually a rotation in the receiver room because it felt like even last year it's just like we're still we would rotate because they were rotating to try and figure out who's going to be that next guy behind X in Sanders. Well, and I think this is this has been Sark's kind of mo. I've talked about this a lot when you go back and look at his time at Alabama. And really, you didn't need to go that deep because you had just a bunch of NFL draft picks at wide receivers. But his wide receiver rotations were not that deep. I'll go back and look at last year. But just looking at the target numbers, and I'm getting this from Pro, Pro Football Focus. Xavier Worthy led Texas, and gosh, this is just shows the struggles X had last year. 59 catches on 113 targets. Wow. Yeah, that's a catch percentage of about 52%. It's not, it's not ideal. Uh, JT Sanders, much better. Set. But here's the, here's the target differential. You got Xavier Worthy at 113. Then you got JT Sanders at 72. 54 catches, it's catching 75% of his targets. Jordan Whittington at 72. Then you go down your number four in terms of targets. Bijan Robinson at 29. Roshan John, or Keelan Robinson, excuse me, at 22. Roshan Johnson with 21. So the gap between Jordan Whittington at 72 to the next wide receiver is Casey Kane at 19. That's how top-heavy you were at the receiver position last year at Texas. But we talked about it. I, I'll go back to 2020, Tom Herman's last year, and you look at the target numbers, and granted, you, you only played 10 games, but look, this is how spread out everything was. Joshua Moore, 56. Brennan Eagles, 48. Jake Smith, 38. Tariq Black and Jordan Whittington with 24. Brennan Schooler with 23. Those are six wide receivers right there with 20-plus targets. And then you've got Cade Brewer with 21. And then you go down Bijan, Jared Wiley there in the teens. So you had six wide receivers with 20-plus targets in Tom Herman's last year. Then you go to 2021, Sark's first year when we talked about, hey, uh, you know, you're probably not going to have as many targets. You probably have fewer guys gobbling up more targets. Xavier Worthy in 2021 is a true freshman, 103. <laughs> the next closest player in terms of targets, Joshua Moore was second on the team with 45. Jeez. So you go from 103 to 45. And he, he didn't even play every game. Right. Jordan Whittington with 36. And then Marcus Washington with 30. You know, Bijan had 31, Cade Burrow had 27, but then you got Marcus Washington with 30. You only had those were the only four receivers you had that were over 20 targets. And after Marcus Washington, the next wide receiver that you find was Kelvante Dixon at 15. So again, smaller number of guys, bigger number of targets, and it, this, it was even more the case last year. Smaller number of guys, bigger number of targets for those guys. I think you'll see it be a little more spread out this year because of the talent you got, but I don't think you're going to see like a replication of what happened in 2020 under Tom Herman, where you just got it's it's almost it feels almost too evenly distributed. Is that because of the 22 of personnel that Sark loved to play with or run with? I guess. Uh, well, you mean 12 personnel or 12 personnel? Yeah. Um, pro- I think that's part of it. I think you just look at how much of the passing game they funneled through X, and and I think honestly, when Sark talks about the passing game needing to improve. I hope that's one thing he looks at is where were you funneling your usage and do you need to not necessarily, um, you know, take targets away from X, just take a bunch of his targets away, but maybe between your top group, just spread out those targets a little bit. Like instead of X having 113, maybe, you know, right around 90 is good. So even if you're taking 13 targets, if that's three more for this guy, two more for this guy, or whatever, that's that's a few more opportunities that Jay Witt or Nair or Jonte Cook or somebody else is going to get. 
And hopefully the, sure. the spring and fall and summer allows yours to develop, you know, more chemistry because it felt like a lot of his targets to X, maybe it was called for in the scheme, but also it was because Quinn felt like he had the most chemistry with Worthy, right? And now he has a full year and now even then some under his buckle to learn how to play with, you know, hopefully Nair, but also, you know, Casey Kane, Jay Whip, A.D. Mitchell, Jonte Cook, all the other guys that have come in, Ryan Niblett. See, and I'm going back to just to show you how Tom Herman had a little more evenly, a little more balance. Like 2019, you want to take a guess, Cam, how many targets Devin Duvernay had in 2019 when he caught 100 balls? Mm, ha, he had 100, 100, let me see. 105 catches is what Duvernay finished with that year. I would say 120. 129, that's a yeah. catch percentage of 81%. I don't remember a lot of, you know, missed throws from Sam the Duvernay. And a lot of a lot of short yeah, a lot of short yep. stuff too a lot of screens mixed in with that, so then you go from Duvernay at one twenty nine, Brennan Eagles at sixty two, Colin Johnson at fifty seven, and Colin only played seven games that year. Malcolm Epps at thirty five, Jake Smith at thirty four. So those are five wide receivers with thirty plus targets. Uh, Keontae Ingram at thirty four, Roshan Johnson at thirty, and then John Bird at eighteen. So he was right on the cusp of having a twenty target year. Um, you know, twenty eight, and again, it's just different coaches like to do different things. Tom Herman just like to spread out. It was really you had uh, go back to twenty eighteen. L J Humphrey at one twenty, Colin Johnson at one hundred three, Duvernay at sixty five, uh, and then you have Gerard Hurd as their fourth receiver with twenty plus at twenty five. But then like Andrew Beck forty two, Keontae Ingram twenty eight, Trey Watson twenty six. So yeah, it was a little more distributed. A little more liberally by Tom Herman, where Sark has his top group, has had his top group. That's where he's going to funnel it. Maybe that changes a little bit. I do want to talk a little Texas basketball. So again, you go to Horns twenty four seven, get everything from the insider. And we'll, the, this, these are topics we'll continue to talk about uh, until we get to the start of uh, camp and leading up to the start of the regular season. I do want to talk a little Texas basketball, just in terms of roster management, roster construction. The, the immediate need for Rodney Terry, when you look at the 2023-24 roster, your guys that have eligibility, which of those guys are going to come back? Brock Cunningham's already said he's coming back. I'm expecting Tyrese Hunter and Arterio Morris and Dylan Mitchell to be back. The big one is DeSue. Does Dylan DeSue come back? If he does, then you're probably only looking at needing maybe one big out of the portal. If he bolts, then you're probably looking at needing to go get two. And can you find kind of two guys of a really high quality in the portal? You manage to do that. Really, you go back to Chris Beard's first year. You really got three with Trey Mitchell, DeSue, uh, and Christian Bishop all coming in the portal that year. And obviously Mitchell transferred out, but you had a healthy DeSue with Bishop balanced out. And you were once, especially when Dylan got rolling, you were good. Uh, so if DeSue comes back, what kind of roles and, and do Alexander McWay and Roland Brumbaugh come back, and what kind of roles are they going to play? So I think when you look at the needs in the portal, you got, you got Ron Holland and A.J. Johnson coming in. So then you like, okay, you probably need like three, maybe four guys out of the portal. You And then the need depends on if DeSue comes back because you need to find a big, and ideally you would like to find somebody who can give you rebounding and rim protection above all else, but who's got some athletic ability that can get up and down the floor with what should be a more athletic, more explosive lineup than what you put on the floor last year with Tyrese Hunter and Ron Holland and Dylan Mitchell. There's a lot of run-and-jump athletes in that group. I think you probably need to figure out that piece that Timmy Allen played and can you get a a wing-type guy who can be versatile enough to play some three, play some four, 
and kind of do a little bit of everything. I'm not saying you've got to go into the portal and try to find Timmy Allen again, but can you find that type of guy? I think you need somebody, again, that can play some three, play some four, uh, maybe even on the, you know, if you want to go with more of a quicker lineup, can play some small ball five. But a guy that's a, a passer or rebounder doesn't need to score the ball a lot, doesn't need X number of shots per game. I think you need to fill that role. And then for the the guard piece, because you're going to need to go in the portal, I think, and add another guard, I think that all depends on what is your projected role for Tyrese Hunter. If you want Tyrese Hunter to play on the ball, then shooting should be your, your primary objective in the portal first and foremost. If you decide that Tyrese Hunter can play off the ball a little bit more and you trust him to shoot the ball at a good enough level to play off the ball more, then you need a guy who probably is, is, is an equal parts ball handler and shooter. Like, if you can find another guy like Jabari Rice, I know that's going to be really tough. Man, Jabari Rice was so good for them last year because he could play on the ball, he could play off the ball, unselfish guy. So finding that piece, too, is going to be huge. Cam, would you add anything? And I, and I think I think those are really the pieces you're looking for. An athletic big, maybe one or two, some type of guy that can play four or five That's that's got some versatility to their game. And then depending on that Tyrese Hunter role, you either need a, a pass-first guy for your portal guard or you need a primary shooter for your portal guard. I'm intrigued by Washington State's TJ Bamba, who is in the portal. Um, I believe he's a sophomore. He'll be a junior guard. I'm curious because it goes to what your point about what Tyrese Hunter's role is going to be and what is, you know, does Arturo Morris become a starter next season? Because he looked, I think so, yeah. He looked pretty good, Jeff. I, I know it's a touchy subject considering, you know, his off-the-court stuff, but – I think he's going to be a really good basketball player for Texas. TJ Bamba is just one name that he's also entered the NBA draft. I think he hasn't hired an agent yet. He's kind of waiting to see what his his testing scores will come back. But Bamba's one guy. And then if the Sioux goes out, the glass is going to become a huge problem, I think, for Texas rebounding. Because yeah. now you have to find a five because Bishop's gone. And if the Sioux's gone, I mean, Dylan Mitchell, I mean, he he had he had a couple flashes, but I don't. What is his role going in the next season? He's the one guy I had the biggest question mark about because yeah. he was at one point a projected top ten pick in in like November. Jeff, remember that? Yeah, and I, th- I think our 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 guys our national our national basketball guys like Adam Finkelstein, Eric Bossy, Travis Branham. They those guys have even said, "Hey, I think we just got a little too enamored with the elite athleticism." Yeah. Yeah, probably, probably maybe ranked him a little higher than they should have, but he's he is an elite athlete. I, I I just think I don't want to say their ceiling is based on the growth Dylan Mitchell's going to make, but man, if he gets anywhere close to that, a much closer to that ceiling, yeah. that projected ceiling than he was this year, this is going to be the most athletic lineup. I mean, I know it's hard to say that when you've had lineups where you've been able to put like Jericho Sims and and Jackson Hayes on the floor together, but you just look really from one through five. Name me a more athletic lineup Texas can have with with Tyrese Hunter, Arterio Morris, Ron Holland, Dylan Mitchell, and then whether DeSue comes back or you find a big. I know everybody loves the, the Kell Ware idea, but yeah, and there's a reason why everybody in the country is recruiting Kell Ware now that he's in the portal. Texas has reached out. I also know in terms of a you know a guard addition, I know at this point they've reached out to Quincy Olivari from Rice. Okay. He's a guy that's got like Arkansas, Auburn interest. Uh, a lot of high major programs have, have been interested in him. So just paying it, pay attention to how those portal pieces come together. That'll give you a better idea of what the roles for like Hunter and Mitchell and those guys will be going forward. Would you go after Zach Eady if he's in the portal? Why? 
here's the thing. Like, why would Zach Eady go into the portal? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a Twitter rumor. That's and, it. and no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I would stay away. I don't I, – watching how – who they lose to, I don't even remember. But watching um, – Farley Dickinson, right? Farley Dickinson, yeah. Or, yeah, Farley. Farley. How they defended Chris, him – Chris Farley Dickinson. How they defended him and played against him is just like, yeah, the big man is pretty much dead that, in the game of basketball. I always say this about Purdue, man. I don't know if they beat Texas a couple of years ago, but that was a game where Purdue – like dominate a free throw margin, and Texas still had a chance to win that game down the stretch. When that painter makes a Final Four and win that national wins a national championship, I'll believe in that style of play he believes in. But until then, hadn't won them anything. Yep. In the postseason. So, all right, we got to take a break. Come back. We'll close down this edition of Light the Tower on the other side here on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. All right, appreciate all the. Uh, Wild game feedback on the Specs text line today. Hey, if you want to give Chad and Zay a nice introduction to their show, just keep sending in your rattlesnake pictures or your feral hog pictures, whatever you got, and just say, hey, Chad and Zay, Jeff and Cameron told us to send these in, so I want to see how they react. Or a nice alligator gar photo. Glad we got educated on alligator gar today, Cameron. That makes me feel better. It makes me feel better about myself as a Texan. I do, too. And if you got some pictures, videos, Add us on Twitter, HornATX, or Hardball Hards. I know Mike Hards is a big rattlesnake guy. Yes. So please, add him in all, everything you got. Send your venomous snakes and gar to Mike Hards, Hardball Hards on Twitter, at Hardball Hards. Uh, Cam, great job today. Appreciate it, Jeff. Uh, I'm sure we'll check in with Craig tomorrow. It's a Florida Friday. We'll talk more Texas football, basketball, baseball. Cover everything going on in the 40 acres, the prep scene. Maybe talk draft, whatever we've got. We will do it tomorrow. Uh, for everybody that sent their feedback on the Specs Text Live for the absent Craig Way, for Cameron Parker, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be back tomorrow to light the tower on the horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.